This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. We've been doing a, start a little mini-series in July called Can't Stop This. It says, you know, the bad thing about it is it reminded me of a song from the 90s, Can't Touch This. And now that I got Can't Touch This in my head, I mean, I just, I, I butchered it last week. I was all over the, in fact, one of, one of, our, one of our ushers came to me and said, hey, I'm going to get you some MC Hammer pants. I'm like, oh, no, you're not. <laughs> that, is, that is way too much TMI. Anybody remember J.J. Watt? The guy that used to play for us? Hmm. Anyway, a number of years ago, J.J. received in the mail. Now, you know J.J.'s probably signed thousands of autographs. And uh, a number of years ago, he received in the mail an autographed game jersey from a seven-year-old who wrote him a letter and said, I just wanted to send you this autographed game jersey so that when I become famous in the NFL, you will know me. <laughs> and, uh, and J.J. Watt, he, he loved it. He took, a, he, he took a picture of it. He tweeted it. And he wrote, he said, he said I like this kid. He's got guts. I thought, okay, yeah, we might call it guts. I'm going to call it something else. I'm going to call it confidence. He's got a lot of confidence. And uh, confidence is a feeling of trust. It is a belief that things are going to work out in your favor. Things are going to be a favorable situation. Like, I believe that by the time we get out of here, this will be over. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a trust. It's a confidence. It's things are going to be favorable. And... I want to do a message this morning on confidence builders and breakers. Things that build confidence, things that break confidence. If you think about it, it can go both ways. For, for example, input. The input we receive, especially from trusted sources, can be a real confidence builder or breaker. Maybe you had a parent that was really good at encouraging you and believing in you and, and, and putting good words into your life. That's a confidence builder. Or maybe you had one that constantly puts you down, and that's tough. It's harder to overcome. Or, or I think in athletics, I've had good coaches and bad coaches. And the, and the good coaches were the ones that, that built you, they put confidence in you. The ones who were bad were the ones who tore it down. So ex, the input can be one. Experience can be a confidence builder or breaker. Good experiences, obviously, over time can build confidence. Bad experiences over time can, can detract, they can break confidence. There was a man sitting by himself in a, in a, a restaurant bar area, and he was just simply, uh, he had his drink there, and he was drinking, and a group came in. And they were rowdy, kind of loud and boisterous. They sat right close to him. And, you know, it had been quiet and nice and refined until this group came in. So he looked at them kind of with that, one of those disapproving looks, but he caught the eye of the biggest guy, the bully. And the guy looked at him and said, oh, you, you disapprove of us? He said, you messed with the wrong person. He said, I'm an international man. He walked over there and he, he took his, his army, chopped him on the side neck. He said, that's a karate chop from China. Then he grabbed his arm and he pulled it behind his back. He said, this is an arm bar from Brazil. And then he actually took him and threw him over his hip onto the floor and looked down to him and said, and that was a judo throw from Japan. The guy gets up and brushes himself off and just walks out of the bar to the gales of laughter coming from this group. 
but he comes back in, in about 30 minutes and absolutely just knocks the guy, the bully, knocks him straight out on the floor. Guy's lying there on the floor unconscious. He looks over at his friends. He said, when he, wake, when he wakes up, tell him that's a two-by-four from Home Depot. <laughs> See, I think when he wakes up, he's going to have... He's going to have an, a, a confidence breaker. That's not going to, he's not going to want to mess with people again. But let me, let me just talk to the parents just for a second. I, I know a lot of times with parents, we want to make sure that our children never have any bad experiences. And quite honestly, that's just not possible. As, as a parent, my job is not to make sure you never have any bad experiences. It's to help you learn how to overcome when bad experiences in life happen. And so I realize we now have helicopter parents and lawnmower parents, and parents are parents. They want to make sure that, you know, they want to mow down all the problems that their kids will ever face. You're never going to be able to do that. Plus, I believe it's good for our children to experience difficult times while they're in our homes as opposed to when they get out of our homes because the world's going to treat them a whole lot tougher, and we can help them overcome. Experiences are a reality. Here's the other one that's a reality, is the culture or the environment that you're in. If you're in a culture of, that's, and that could be a church culture, home, team, business, if you're in one that's, that's positive and, and, it, and it's, you can take risk and you're not afraid to fail, that's a great culture, that can build confidence. If you're in one that's fear-based and it's constantly working on you and working against you and you're afraid to do anything, that's not a culture or an environment that builds confidence. Confidence, a feeling of trust, a belief that things are going to turn out favorably. But what about confidence with God? Sometimes you mention confidence with God, and this is an area where people back off and go, oh, well, no, no. I, I don't even know that you can have confidence with God. Actually, the answer to that is yes, we can have confidence with God. And it's not based on what we've done. It's based on what Jesus has done. When Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus, this is what he said. He said, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus. This is what God accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom, in Christ, we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. To realize that what Jesus did for us was help us create a, a culture of confidence with God. Again, not based on us. It's based on what he has done. But when we, when we come into union with him, the scriptures say, we have boldness. We can actually come before God. We can have a boldness. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be, feel guilty. We can come before him with confidence because of what Jesus has done. He'll give you some Christian history. 200 plus years ago was a man by the name of John Newton. John Newton was a former slave trader in England who became a pastor. He got gloriously saved, became a pastor. And he was well known for getting massive prayers answered. And they would ask him one time, someone said, what, how in the world, how do, you get, how do you get such amazing prayers answered? He said, I believe, he said, in large asking. He said, large asking. And then he would go on to explain it this way. He said, there's a legend of Alexander the Great, that a man appeared before Alexander the Great and asked for an enormous sum of money for his daughter's hand in marriage. And Alexander agreed to it. Then Alexander told him to go to his treasurer and ask the treasurer for what he wanted. So the man goes and asks the treasurer for this amazing amount of money. And the treasurer, he was startled. And he said, well, there's no way I can do that. 
He said, not without a direct order from Alexander. So the treasurer goes to see Alexander. He said, this man is asking for too much money. He said, a fraction of the money would serve the purpose for you know, his daughter's hand in marriage. And Alexander said, nope. He said, give him all of it. He said, I like this fellow. He does me honor. By asking this, he said, he believes me to be both rich and generous, and he treats me like a king. Then John Newton would go on to describe, he said, we need to come boldly before the throne of God's grace and make petitions that would honor the one who is loving and rich and bountiful. He said, we need to make those kind of petitions before our king. I love how he said that. John Newton, if you don't know the name John Newton, you know his song. He's the one that wrote Amazing Grace. He's also the one who led the anti-slavery movement in England, and slavery was abolished in 1807, just months before he died. John Newton believed in asking of the king, of our king, asking things that would honor his love and his riches and his bounty. That's confidence before God. So John would ask big, and he would get big answers. In the Bible, there's a, a character that I, I like a lot because he starts off so bad, and he winds up so good. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. And this, this man, he, he, was, he was anything but a leader. He looked like just, just a regular guy who was afraid. And yet God used him to deliver a nation. The nation of Israel was still young as a nation. They didn't have a kings yet, they had judges. And Israel had moved into an area and they had kicked out some people like the Amalekites and all, a bunch of ites they got rid of. And God had given them the land. But then they started serving the gods of these defeated nations, which makes absolutely no sense. But they started serving. They turned away from God and started serving these idols. They're worshiping idols. And so it opened a door to the enemy. And a group called the Midianites came in, and the Midianites just asked for seven years just impoverished Israel, took their, took their livestock, took their harvest. It was horrible. And so here they are, and they're in an impoverished state, and God sends a prophet to them. <laughs> and the prophet basically says, I told y'all not to do this. He didn't use the word y'all, but this is what he said. I told you not to, not to serve the gods of these other nations. He said, and now you've done that. But then God didn't stop there. He didn't just tell them what the problem was. He sent an answer. And the answer was to a man by the name of Gideon. And so let's start reading in Judges chapter 6. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under, under the terebinth tree, which was in Oprah. See, Oprah was famous way before she had her show. <laughs> which belonged to Joash the Abizarite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, oh, my Lord. Can you hear the whine in his voice? Oh, my Lord. How can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan, my family is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I'll be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. 
there's some things in Gideon that we see are real confidence breakers. And the first confidence breaker is Gideon is actually blaming God for Israel's problems. He's blaming God for the fact that the Midianites have come in. It's God's fault. God, God did this. God just delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. He absolutely ignored what the prophet said and what God had warned them about. There's no sense in asking why God. God said, don't serve these other gods. But Gideon refuses to acknowledge that. He's not even mentioning that. He's just blaming God. But think about it. He's been living in a, for seven years, he's been in a negative culture. And his confidence in God is shot. And then not only that, he ignores the message. You know, the angel came with good news. Here's Gideon hiding. And the angel comes to him and says, you're a mighty man of valor. And the Lord is with you. And the Lord is sending you. Gideon could have stopped right there and went, oh man, praise God. That is so good. I'm a mighty man of valor. I never saw myself as a mighty man of valor, but I guess that's what I am, because you said I am. You're an angel and stuff. Should be true. He didn't say that. He went, oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. And he, he kept ignoring the message. I mean, God had a great message for him. He ignored it. He didn't believe any of it. And, and, and then you're thinking, are you going to bail out of this? Uh, no. Because Gideon was very much aware of all the reasons he couldn't do what God said he could. Gideon started talking about his family. He's like, no, oh, no. Man, my family, we're the, we're, the, we're the weakest in Manasseh. We live on the other side of cut and shoot. We are just, you know, it, it's just, man. It's, and me, it's like I'm the weakest in my father's house. Now, it's interesting if you read his story, Gideon actually was part of a family. And, and that night he took 10 of his father's servants. He couldn't have been that weak. They had servants. They had more than 10. And his family had, a, had an idol. Actually, uh, Gideon's dad had an idol in the backyard. Right next to the gazebo in the barbecue pit, there was an idol for Baal. And, and right there in the backyard, Gideon just missed all of that because he's so focused on his weak area, so focused on what God has done. And it was a confidence breaker. Now I got good news. Gideon started that way. Gideon didn't end that way. It's not how you start. If you're sitting there listening to me today, or maybe you're watching online and you think, Alan, I, man, I don't have any confidence with God. I've been a lousy Christian all my life. I'm, I'm just glad to be here. I just hope to make it to heaven before I go. Well, listen, it doesn't have to be that way because it can change. Gideon changed dramatically, but he didn't start off good. So let's start off with how do we get rid of some of these confidence breakers and have some confidence builders in our life? Let me give you three. Here's the first one. When there's a problem, something goes wrong, the first finger should not be pointed at God. When, you, when something goes wrong, and listen, I've seen people do this. I think we've all done it. First person is, man, we start blaming God for it. My, uh, my daughter, Christina, who lives in Tulsa, Christina and Josh, her husband, our first grandson was Grant. And Grant came, came to our house. He was about two and a half, almost three. And we had not seen him in a while. And so we were sitting down there and I was, I was in the room. I was sitting in a chair and Grant walks past me and he trips and falls just flat on the face. He's crying and upset. And before I could get to him, he looks at me and he lifts his leg and just kicks me. I'm looking at him. He blamed me for him falling. 
I, I didn't touch him. And I, I'm, I'm just laughing. And I'm, I'm looking at Christina going, you got one here now. <laughs> How many of you realize as grandparents, my kids tell me all the time, Dad, don't laugh at them. I'm like, oh no, I'm going to laugh. Because <laughs> I think it's funny. And it's not my problem. It's your problem. <laughs> it's my job to encourage that kind of behavior. So I'm, I'm, he's over there kicking me because he thought I'm the one that just did it. And I'm thinking how many times have we been kicking God when he's not the one that tripped us? He's, he's not the one that trips us, guys. He's the one that lifts us. He said, well, then, well, who do we blame? Let me give you three areas. Three areas. When things go wrong, let me give you three areas to look at. One, we live in a fallen world, a fallen, curse-filled world. Tornadoes and hurricanes, all the negative stuff that's happening in our earth never was God's plan. That's not how he made it. And when we go come back in the millennial reign, it's, we're, we're going to be, nobody gets wiped out by a tornado or hurricane or crazy rain like we've been having. We don't get any of that. It's going to be perfect. But we live in a fallen world. Number two, we have an enemy, Satan. And he does not like us. He doesn't like anything that stands for God. Jesus warned us we'd have trouble. He said in John 16, he said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. So Jesus is saying, hey, you're going to have trouble, but you don't have to be afraid. I've overcome it. And you're united with me, remember? We're hooked. We're together. We're connected in this. So... That's one area to look. Satan, fallen world, and you look at those of us who are not perfect. Now just look straight ahead. The person sitting on your immediate left and the one on your immediate right is not perfect. Don't look at them. Don't, no, don't. How many of you know none of us are? A number of years ago, Joy and I were doing a message together in here. And Joy was, was sharing, and she was sharing about how early on in our marriage, how you have to be, be careful that emotions can stray. And she talked about that in our marriage, one of us had our emotions that strayed. And there had to be, and that when we talked about it and brought it out into the open, nothing ever happened, but it, it got exposed and dealt with. It's very quiet when Joy was sharing that. Then Joy said, who do you think it was whose emotions strayed? And before everyone can shout my name out, Joy answered and said, it was me. I'll never forget it. I was sitting right there. And a lady on the front row went, <gasps> So when I stood up, I, and some of you might have been here that time, I stood up, I said, how many of you, when Joy was talking about someone whose emotions had strayed, how many of you were thinking, it's Alan? And, and like every hand went up across. I'm like, great, thank you very much. You know why? Because you believe that Joy is good. And you just get around her and you think, that's a good lady. Y'all do think that, right? First service at least. Though. Okay, how many of you believe that Joy is really good? Okay. I saw some hands that didn't go up. <laughs> no, listen, Chris Wooten, I was talking with him the other day, and he, uh, he told me, he said, uh, 
he's, of course, one of our parking lot team for years. He said, Alan, he said, he said, the word on the street is, we know the rapture hasn't taken place if joy is still here. <laughs> like, well, thank you, Chris. I really appreciate that. <laughs> but why do we think that? Because we think that joy is good. And so we don't think she would ever do something wrong like that. How many of you have people in your life that you know just to be good and they would not do you wrong? And if someone said they did you wrong, you're like, no, not them. Well, see, I know, my, I know Joy. I know she wouldn't do anything wrong like that. I trust her. I know that. But you know what? Joy is good, but she's not perfect. And God is. And just as good as Joy is, God's even better. So if we wouldn't blame Joy, we can't blame God when things go wrong. Don't blame him. Because when you blame him, you undermine your confidence in him to help you come through the problem. If you're blaming, how are you going to get answers if you're blaming him for the problem? Don't blame him. Recognize we're not perfect. We could have missed it. We got, there's fallen people. There's crazy people around us. There's, people do crazy things. There's an enemy. We live in, in, on enemy territory, guys. And we have to understand that. Don't blame God. Second thing is this is we have to be willing to believe his message instead of everything that we see around us. Now, you might be surrounded by, by a culture that's just not looking too good, but we have to believe God's message to us as opposed to what we see around us. And if you look for evidences of God's presence instead of his absence, you can see some good things. So we look for evidences of God. And here's the thing. We believe that God is with us and helping us before we see and feel it. First Peter 1.8 said, Whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Now keep it up there just for a moment. You can take this verse, and actually the word see him, the word him is in italics in most translations because the translators added it. But you can read it this way, though now you do not see Yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. There's a lot of us right now, how many of you, you could say, there's things I'm praying about and things I'm asking God for and things I'm believing for and I haven't seen them yet. There's a lot of us there. Maybe it's a loved one coming back. Maybe it's a relationship being restored. Maybe it's help in some area of your life, your financial area or, or your physical area or with your kids and you haven't seen answers yet. Here's the key. Do you believe God's working behind the scenes? Because if you believe he's working behind the scenes, then before things turn around, you start to rejoice. You're like, Lord, Lord I am grateful. I, have, I not see it, but I believe you're working. And so I'm rejoicing. That really is a great way to tell. Am I trusting God in this area? Am I depressed? Am I down? Or am I rejoicing thinking God's working even though I can't see it? God is doing some great things. Philip Moore, for those of you who know him, is one of the greatest assets to us here at the church. Philip is our executive pastor. He and I have worked together for 18 years. He is a marvelous executive pastor. He handles details. He handles the financial oversight. He's mar he has really been such a blessing. When Philip came and worked with me 18 years ago, we didn't know one another. And so for the first month, he actually officed in my office, and we got to talking. We got to know one another, and, and I would I, we would go through lists of things that needed to be implemented. And I would say, have you done this? Have you done this? 
we need to do this. Have you done this? And I would follow up with him in like everything. Have you done this? Have you done this? Well, after a while, after working together for a while, I never ask Philip Moore if he's done it. Because if he writes it down, it's done. If you, boy, if you've ever had people like that that you work with, you thank God for them. So I don't, I don't tell Philip something one week and they go, have you done that? Did you do that? Did you do it? Because I saw him write it down. I have trust in him. I have, I have belief in him. If he writes it down, it's a done deal. Philip Moore's a marvelous executive pastor, but he's not God. Our God is more faithful than Philip Moore. If he said he would help us, he will help us. If he said he's on the job, he's on the job. If he's working on our behalf, before I see it, I count it as done. I'm rejoicing. I'm thanking him ahead of time. So we have to be willing to receive his message to us as opposed to simply what's going on around us. Then the last thing is this. This is a confidence builder. This will give you a can't stop this attitude is stop focusing on us. Change the focus. If we're just focusing on us, and our, especially on our weak areas, it's not helping you. You ever heard of someone talking? I know, I know, again, we sing songs now. I love the, some of the songs we sing. They're positive songs. We don't sing, we sing a great song called I Am Who You Say I Am. I love that song. But we don't say, I'm a loser and a failure. I am who you say I am. I can't win ever. I will go down in flames. I am. That's not what he says. And that's not what we sing. We start singing that. You're like, whoa, time, 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 Sparky. What are you singing? We're not singing those songs. We're singing, I'm, I'm an overcomer. I'm, I am blessed. I am chosen. I'm forgiven. I am who you say I am. And when we begin to say those things, that's a confidence builder. When we talk about, I am stupid, I do stupid things, I'm a lousy Christian, that's not helping you. That's what Gideon did. Gideon's like, I'm weak, my family's weak, I can't do this. When we keep focusing on our weak areas, it doesn't help us. So we say, well, what can I do? How about this? What if we do what it says in Psalms 34, verse 3? Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. So we magnify God. What's that mean? God's, I can't make God bigger. You can make him bigger in your life. Because what you talk about the most is what becomes the biggest thing. If you talk about your problems all the time, they get bigger. If you talk about your, your weak areas and how you're just messed up and you're stupid, but the whole family's stupid. So wonder, yeah, everyone's stupid in our family. It's like we're all just stupid. It's super stupid. It's amazing that God's even going to let us think because we're just stupid. You're stupid, your family's stupid, you're generations of stupid in your family. And you think, uh, that's funny, it's not funny. Because that, that impacts you. What if we did this? What if we magnified God, say, God, I've, I've done so many wrong things, but you're bigger and you are perfect and you are helping me. And so there are things that we can say that can help us. Don't magnify your weaknesses, magnify God's bigness and his goodness and his love and his mercy. And if you do that, that will help you. Well, say, well, Alan, if I start to say things like I'm an overcomer in Christ, I'm lying. You're not lying. You're saying what he says about you. When that angel looked at Gideon and said, you're a mighty man of valor, Gideon basically said, you're stupid. I am not a mighty man of valor. But later on, he made the switch. And when he makes the switch, things begin to change. And when you make the switch, things begin to change. You want a confidence builder? Take God's input about you. 
and begin to say that about yourself. It'll help you big time. I'm going to magnify God and I make him bigger. Me and my problems get smaller. In 2000, the city of Charlotte, North Carolina, sent an invitation to Billy Graham. He's their favorite son. Billy Graham is from North Carolina. You do know that, right? Good things can come from North Carolina. And Billy's from, Billy's from North Carolina. They said, look, we don't want you to speak. We just want to honor you. And I think they thought he was reaching the end of his life. You know, Billy lived about, what, 99? He, man, but anyway. So he didn't want to come, but he did come. And when he got up there, he said, he thanked them for all the kind words. And then Billy said this. He said, I'm reminded today of, of the famous physicist Albert Einstein. He said, Albert Einstein was traveling on a train from Princeton when the conductor came down the aisle punching tickets. And the conductor got to Albert Einstein and asked for his ticket. He said, Albert Einstein checked his pocket. It wasn't there. Checked the other pocket. It wasn't there. Looked in his briefcase. It wasn't there. He began to look in the seat beside him. Finally, the conductor said, Dr. Einstein, Dr. Einstein, it's okay, sir. We know who you are. Everybody knows who you are. It's, it's okay. I'm sure you purchased a ticket. It, it's all right, sir. Don't, don't worry about it at all. And Dr. Einstein just nodded appreciatively. And the conductor moved on, continued to punch tickets. He's getting ready to walk. The conductor was getting ready to walk out of the car and go to the next car when he happened to look back and see the famous physicist down on his hands and knees looking for the ticket. And he rushed back and he said, Dr. Einstein, Dr. Einstein, sir, we know who you are. We know, we know you purchased a ticket. We know who you are. And Einstein looked up from the floor and he said, young man, I too know who I am. He said, what I don't know is where I'm going. <laughs> Billy Graham continued his, his story. He said, you see this suit? He said, uh, it's a new suit. He said, my, my wife and my children, my grandchildren said that I've gotten a little slovenly in older age. And so I went out and bought a brand new suit for this luncheon. He said, and for one more event, he said, this is a suit I will be buried in. He said, but when you hear that I am dead, he said, I don't want you to think about the suit. He said, I want you to remember this. I know who I am and I know where I'm going. I like that story. But I thought so many believers in here, so many people who are listening to me today, you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know that if you died tonight, you would go to be with the Lord, to be absent with the bodies, to be present with the Lord. You know where you're going. My concern is so many don't know who they are. Now, I'm not talking about, the, hey, I'm a, I'm a guy from North Carolina. No, 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 no. I'm talking about who God says you are. Because who God says you are is so much bigger and so much better than how we've seen ourselves. We, we don't just need to know where we're going. We need to know who we are in his sight. And when we do, talk about can't stop this, can't stop this. Would you bow your heads with me? Now, I made an assumption that many in here know exactly where they're going, but maybe you're not one of them. Maybe today you came and you said, you know, and Alan, I'm not sure that I have a relationship with the Lord or I'm just, I'm not confident of that. Maybe you've never asked. Maybe you're, you're just uncertain. But you want to be confident in that area. Or maybe you're saying, Alan, I did, I did walk with the Lord. I've gotten so far away from him. But today I realize I want to come back. 
So we're going to say a prayer. We're not going to have you stand up. We're not going to have you come down to the front. The purpose is never to embarrass you. The purpose is to give you an opportunity to make a change that's life-altering and eternity-altering. That's by a simple prayer. If you're out here today, you're watching online, you say, Alan, that, that is me you're talking to. I'm not sure where I stand with the Lord or I used to stand well with him and I want to come back. Would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up just real quickly across this auditorium? Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Great. Anybody else? Just say, Alan, that's me. Would you pray for me? Thank you. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you. Appreciate your courage. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. If you didn't lift your hand and really wanted to, you can still get in on this prayer. God sees hands. But he also sees hearts. And this is a heart prayer. We're going to pray it with you as a church family. You pray it out loud. If you're watching online, if you're by yourself, pray this out loud. If you're with other people, pray it quietly to yourself. Pray it with us. We're going to pray with you as a church family. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you. Now, if heads are still bowed and eyes are closed, Heavenly Father, I thank you for those who prayed that prayer today, for those who've come out of darkness into your marvelous light, and for those who've come back home. We rejoice with them. What a great decision. And Father, for the rest of us, thank you that we are who you say we are, that we can have a confidence with you, that Jesus has done so much for us. We acknowledge that, we receive that, and it changes us, and it changes things. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.